Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos Bracious. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Erev Shabbos Bracious here at J.M. in the A.M. Wow, I was just thinking for a moment. I know there's a lot to talk about and there's a lot to do and there's a lot of initiatives to discuss and I have a whole list of things that we must get to, including the reaction to the security situation here in this area of the world. Uh, but just for a second, uh, consider last Friday, one week ago, Hoshana Rabba morning, we were celebrating in shul. We were gathering together on the air, getting set for an incredible Shmini Atzeres Simchas Torah. Um, there, there, there is nothing like the joyous feeling in the air around Hoshana Rabba Shmini Atzeres time. You get to that part of Yontif and uh, everyone's anticipating such incredible joy and camaraderie and uh, the ability in such a fun manner, uh, certainly, to connect to the one above, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, sure enough, of course, so we know what happened last Shabbos morning. We know what happened on Shemini Atzeres Simchas Torah in Israel. And obviously, everybody's world, uh, some people a lot more than others, but everybody's world has turned upside down uh, since that time. And here we are now on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos Bracious, one week later. And as, as I said, the security concerns are utmost on everyone's mind in this area of the world, which we'll get to. And I'm sure Malcolm Holmline will address it as well uh, later on in the 7 o'clock hour. And uh, obviously our brothers and sisters in Israel are the priority right now. 
uh, as we continue to pray not only for the safety, security, and ingenuity of the Israeli army and the Israeli defense forces, but in addition to that, we are all so focused on the likely over 100, maybe 150, who knows? You don't know what report to believe. Abducted Jews who are now being held by the enemy. And it is important, it is vital, it is key to keep all of them in mind and realize that as time goes by, who knows how much more difficult the possibility of bringing them home uh, it will be. But again, we, we, we are hoping and praying that the one above um, transmits some type of strategy into the minds of the geniuses who are at the forefront of Israel's defense to be able to figure out a way to do this. Please, God, please, God. I'll never forget one of the only comforting things uh, that I remember um, after my father passed away. One of the only comfort, there were a couple of comforting moments during Shiva that actually, and, and many of you remember that my father died suddenly in a terrible accident. And it, 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 one of the only comforting things was when, when one of my old Rabbeim called me and said, uh, remember, God has saved people from much more difficult situations. And that's something we have to keep in mind. There are what appears to us as miracles that God could perform any moment. And that's what we have to continue to pray for, that he decides at a moment's notice that it's time for these hostages to go home. It's time for our brothers and sisters who are being held to get back to their families. Let's hope and pray that, in fact, um, as Yeshua Hashem Karifayin, as the salvation from the one above could happen in an instant, let's hope the salvation for our brothers and sisters happens, in fact, in an instant, and that hopefully that instant will be sooner rather than later. It is Erev Shabbos Parshas Bracious. We are going to a Bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh. Mar Cheshvan will be on Sunday and Monday, which means we begin to say Yalav tomorrow night. It's a two-day Sunday, Monday Rosh Chodesh. In fact, tomorrow's Haftorah is Machar Chodesh. And um, the candle lighting time officially in New York is 5.59. 5.59, a minute before 6 p.m. is official candle lighting time in New York. All right, a couple of things to get to. Uh, first of all, obviously, there's tremendous concern. And I, I'm, I'm not even going to, at the moment, at the moment, I will not address um, those institutions that are closing today. They, they have to make their own evaluation. I, I don't know if the best thing for our children is to show them that we are giving in to terrorism. I'm not, I'm not sure. So, And please don't react that I'm on one side or the other side of this issue. I'm not sure. I'm torn on this whole issue. And I respect those schools that felt they had to close today. I, re, I do respect that. I do wonder, you know, why they employ the security forces that they do, because I would assume a day like today is the day that, you know, <laughs> it makes the entire investment worthwhile. But okay, I, again, I'm not going to criticize anybody who's taking extra precautions, whether it's personal. People want to stay off the subways. People want to stay off the streets. I, I get it. I totally get it. And certainly I'm not going to uh, condemn an institution whose 
you know, priority is the safety of our children. I will not do that. Again, I, I wonder and think about it in, in terms of the messages that it sends, but if an institution feels that that's the way to handle it, then that's the way to handle it, and that's the end of it. Um, so there are a couple of things that I noticed via email. First of all, there are certain police precincts in New York City that have sent out notices to leadership in the community uh, reassuring them about the um, commitment to public safety. And I, I mean, when it comes to the NYPD, when it comes to preparedness, you know, in a situation where they're made aware of what could happen, there's nobody like them, obviously. I, I think you could say that about most police forces in this country. When they're prepared, they're going, they're going to be there and they're going to effectively do the job. And that's why we are so indebted to them, no matter what city in the United States we're in, we're so indebted to them. Uh, for stepping up security and for you know paying extra attention to the community. Uh, in fact, this morning I, I drove past one of our synagogues and sure enough there was a police car with lights on uh, right in front. So there's a you know a concerted effort and and we have to be so thankful and we should and by the way over Shabbos I can only imagine how many people especially in New York and New Jersey are going to see police officers near synagogues. Please make sure to thank them. Because they have to understand what our opinion is about public officials um, and public law enforcement, you know, very different than than the popular opinion in our community. We we uh, we um, embrace the relationship with with law enforcement officials, and they sh- they need to know that. Uh, the Jewish Security Alliance Community Guidance uh, of New York and New Jersey sent out um, a, a notice. This is basically what we spoke about yesterday, and it, and it makes a whole lot of sense. Um, you know, if there's a system in place for a shul, a school, or any type of Jewish institution where people need to be buzzed in, people need to walk in with a, you know, knowing a code or whatever the case may be, obviously today, uh, you know, is the day to limit building access and to only allow people in who, you know, obviously display, um, the fact that they're, that they're, uh, that they belong there. Um, Security and staff during drop-off and pickup times, I guess this is meant specifically for schools, should be outside and on the lookout for suspicious individuals. There should be constant perimeter sweeps around buildings today. Camera coverage obviously needs to be stepped up. Make sure all those uh, machines are working. and Check all the systems that everything's working properly. Uh, packages that come to the building, you know, anything that looks suspicious, obviously report. And stay in touch with local uh, law enforcement. And there's uh, uh, there's a whole committee of people um, all through New York State, all through New York City, all through New Jersey who are involved in uh, this security alliance and um, are encouraging everybody to just you know pay extra attention, obviously, because of what's been called upon uh, by the enemy today. Amazing, amazing that the... Anyway, I guess that's for another time. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that uh, obviously, as I said earlier, you know, we, we, our prayers are—I mean, I mean—the gatherings of Tefillah and Tehillim are just remarkable, remarkable. And this goes for every segment of the Jewish community. And uh, I, I saw photos of what happened in uh, Lakewood, Crown Heights, Brooklyn, specifically Brooklyn last night. It is just so heartwarming and so incredible to see the feeling of unity uh, that 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 Orthodox Jews in Brooklyn, New York, feel toward uh, 
our brothers and sisters in Israel. Of all backgrounds, obviously. Those who've been murdered are from all backgrounds. And um, and that has to continue. In addition, as I said earlier, there are uh, quite a number, nobody knows the exact number, of hostages that are being held, and they need to be at the forefront of our tefillot. Uh, but then there are certain situations that really hit home. And I mentioned earlier in the week, uh, when Rabbi Tarragon was on, that the Peretz family, who we are certainly associated with, I mean, Harav Daron Peretz has meant a tremendous amount to this show and has been uh, a, a real friend. He was with us at Yoshua's wedding in, in uh, Israel in April. And now World Mizrahi, which he leads, has begun a Tsevet Peretz emergency campaign. They're, they're raising life-saving funds to protect and care for the soldiers in the merit, in the merit of the speedy return of Daniel Shimon Ben Sharon and the members of his tank crew, who until this point are missing. And nobody knows. Nobody knows if they're alive or not, and nobody knows if they were abducted or not. I can't even imagine what the Parrots family is going through. I've been in touch with them, obviously, but um, it is just heartbreaking. And this and this scene, unfortunately, is being replayed. The agony that families are going through, whether they have information or not, obviously, with no information, it's it's, it's a whole different level of agony. But obviously, even those who have information, those who have definitive answers as to what happened to their loved ones, the agony that our brothers and sisters are going through is immeasurable. So in the merit of the speedy return of Daniel Shimon Ben Sharon and members of his tank crew, they are asking for donations for the Rav Rimon Ceramic Vest and Equipment Sevet Peretz Emergency Campaign. There is a lack of... And this is something that we confirmed with a couple of guests earlier in the week. There's a lack of vital military gear and protective equipment. I'm not getting into the whole, uh, are people collecting, you know, um, necessities and toiletries and food items and, and, and whether there's a surplus or not. It seems to be a major point of discussion in our worldwide community about the activities of people who are gathering materials to send to Israel and what the fate of that those materials are and I certainly hope believe you me I hope that um, that they are getting there and that they're being utilized given out to to soldiers and given out to families that are now displaced and have nothing um, and the more we learn about that certainly the more information I'll pass on we just I, at this point you don't know who to believe about that whole situation and by the way Kalakavod to those who are continuing to gather and responsibly making sure to get these packages to Israel. What I mean by gather, I mean when they get together to pack up these duffel bags and uh, make it a, a strong community effort of unity. For instance, I'll give you an example. Our friends in Forest Hills at the Young Israel of Forest Hills have a donation drop-off this coming Sunday all day long. All day long, literally from 10 in the morning until 10 at night. And there's a list of what they need. And we're talking about really practical stuff for those who are on the front lines. We're talking about first aid kits. We're talking about a specific type of bandage tape. We're talking about electrolyte packets. 
Uh, we're talking about Swiss Army knives, sleeping bags, tactical flashlights. I mean, the list goes on and on. And uh, there's a way to support this effort. There's a Venmo address and a Zelle address. And, um, and they're looking for people to donate supplies, to donate funds, to donate time. And anybody out there that would like to be involved in Sunday's Young Israel Forest Hills donation drop-off, just email me. I will send you the flyer, and you'll have all the info in front of you. Again, it's uh, Nahum, N-A-C-H-U-M, at Nahum Siegel, N-A-C-H-U-M-S-E-G-A-L.com. So Rav Ramon, as we said earlier in the week, has identified that some of the key things that the soldiers do not have en masse uh, are ceramic bulletproof vest inserts, tactical helmets, and miscellaneous items like medical supplies, gloves, mattresses, tents, heaters, etc. Um, so those of you who would like to donate, and remember we're very careful about which funds to uh, promote on this show, uh, we, as we always do, uh, we have really been recommending uh, funds that have been well-established for many years, and we know who supervises them and what they're going to be using the money for. Um, and we're proud of that, you know, not to minimize any of the other efforts that are going on. Uh, there's plenty of new funds that have been established that are doing great work, uh, but sometimes it takes time to just, you know, get comfortable with them. Uh, so we are highly recommending, especially knowing that Rav Daron Peretz and Rav Yosef Tzvi Ramon are behind it. We are highly recommending this uh, campaign, again, which is going to uh, provide ceramic bulletproof vest inserts, tactical helmets, and miscellaneous items for soldiers directly. Um, the address is Mizrahi.org, Mizrahi, M-I-Z-R-A-C-H-I, Mizrahi.org, slash Tsevet Perez, T Z E. V-E-T-P-E-R-E-Z. Again, that's Mizrahi.org slash Tsevet Perez. T-Z-E-V-E-T-P-E-R-E-Z. And again, anything we mentioned on the air, if you if you aren't able to um to get it down on paper, uh obviously these days most people are are doing donations because they see links on their phone or links on their computer whatsapp and email etc and obviously that's the trend uh but if you're still in this world um where where uh you know you're trying to write down what you hear which i totally get then feel free to email us and we'll send the address to you again it's nahum at nahum siegel.com we'll be more than happy to send whatever address you're looking for uh at this time um so one of the one of the um, uh, precincts in the New York City Police Department wrote the following. Um, Good afternoon. Currently, there are no credible threats to New York. However, we are taking extra precaution. We'll continue to have synagogues covered for Shabbat. You'll see an increased number of officers all throughout New York City until further notice. I'll keep you informed of any new information I receive. As always, please be safe and do not hesitate to reach out to us if you need anything. And this was signed. Uh, by one of the uh, community affairs uh, officers, detectives from one of the community affairs d- divisions in the New York City Police Department. So again, um, d- um, sa- uh, public safety officials, law enforcement officials are taking everything very seriously. Uh, they are reassuring us by telling us there are no credible threats at this time. I mean, we've seen this before. So, you know, 
it's very possible that everything goes by, thank God, please God, peacefully today. But you never know. That's why everyone's taking precautions, obviously, today and Shabbat and for the weekend, etc. Um, so that's the uh, that that's the story with that. We'll talk more about it, I'm sure, during our conversation with Malcolm Honline. He's going to be joining us coming up here at the JM in the AM. And uh, I'm trying to see here. I want to bring up Shai Graucher's campaign. Um, let's see here one second. Here it is. I want to bring up Shai Graucher's campaign. This is another campaign that continues to... Um, uh, make tremendous headway all around Israel uh, in terms of um, in terms of getting items, religious items, food items, and security items uh, to soldiers. Uh, if you, and you can go to the campaign, watch the videos. Don't even take my word for it. When you have a chance, watch these videos. You will see exactly what's going on. Uh, they've raised over $1.2 million already, and uh, for good reason, because everyone sees that someone we know, Shai Graucher, who's been on this show, son of the uh, late, great Deddy, uh, he's coordinating this and doing an amazing job, his family and his uh, volunteers. Um, so it's charity.com, C-H-A-R-I-D-Y.com. C-H-A-R-I-D-Y dot com slash chesed verachamim. The only thing is, as we keep pointing out, is you need to know that there are two S's in the word chesed. So it's charity, C-H-A-R-I-D-Y dot com slash chesed, C-H-E-S-S-E-D, verachamim, V-R-A-C-H-A, M-I-M. That's how you access the campaign. Be as generous as possible. And when you have a chance, look at some of those videos. It's incredible. The video is right there on the homepage of the campaign. It is pretty remarkable what they're doing. Charity.com slash chesed virachamim. And again, there's two S's in chesed. And virachamim is V-R-A-C-H-A-M-I-M. J.M. and A.M. on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos Bresh is coming up at the top of the hour. We're going to be speaking to our friends from uh, Grilling for IDF. Again, an outfit that's always been there, literally on the front lines with soldiers, always going around the country for months, maybe even years at this point, uh, providing incredibly robust and delicious meals for soldiers. And I can't even imagine how appreciative the soldiers are because when you, when you I, I, I would imagine when you're out in the field, and participating in the type of work that they're doing, uh, you're burning a lot of calories and probably not eating much. I don't know how much access they have to real, you know, hot meals. So when these grilling guys show up, they must be so thankful uh, that they're able to fill up on on a on a meal like that. Anyway, we're going to be discussing all this at the top of the hour when we do our uh, conversation with the grilling for IDF. Seven forty a.m. Eastern time for Malcolm Homeline. Uh, he is uh, vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. So we'll do that conversation coming up, um, coming up at seven forty a.m. Eastern Time. And of course, Harry Rothenberg in the seven o'clock hour, Rabbi Yudin in the eight o'clock hour. 
as we get set for Shabbos Mavarchim and Shabbos Bracious here at JM in the AM. Our friends at Arts Girl, by the way, because of the relationship they have with Rabbi Shai Graucher, our friends at Arts Girl have uh, really hopped on the bandwagon of this uh, campaign to help soldiers and families. So they, they've been sending out um, a tremendous number of uh, emails and communiques about it, Kalakavod. And in addition, I have to recognize some of the other things that our friends at Arts Girl have done. As a schus for our brothers and sisters in Israel, they've made the following volumes available for free in the Arts Girl digital library app in both Hebrew and English. They have made the current digital Dafyomi volume, Kedushin 2, free. They've made the current digital Dafyomi Rushalmi volume, Shvius 1, free. Uh, they've made the current Mishnah Yomi volume, Moed Kutten and Chagiga, free. And they've made the entire digital Tehillim free. So if you own the app, simply go to the menu, the store, and then download them. Um, if you don't have the app yet, download the app, and the volumes will be automatically included. There's also a special run of 20,000 free Dafyomi Hebrew Gemaras for soldiers that are being printed and distributed by our friends at Art Scroll. They are distributing free Schottenstein edition Hebrew Gemaras directly to soldiers in Israel. The volumes contain the final 20 pages of Dafyomi's current Mesechta, uh, Kiddushin, as well as some chapters of Tehillim, Amy Shaberach for the soldiers, and Tfilas Haderech, um, the prayer for the traveler. May the merit of these endeavors of Torah study, Tfilah, and Chesed protect our entire nation. I say amen to that. Big yeshikach to our friends at Art Scroll. Uh, everyone doing their part. Every, everyone feels they've been drafted, and everyone feels that they have a role in what's happening here. Uh, with our uh, Jewish people in Israel and around the world. So kolakavot to everybody who's really stepped it up. And um, as the Shabbos begins in Israel, and I'm assuming that um, that'll be about, I don't know, three, four hours from now, uh, make sure to be in touch with family and uh, friends in Israel and uh, let them know that you are, uh, that you're thinking of them. It's much appreciated. Even if they are not on the front lines, chances are they know somebody um, or are related to somebody who's anticipating a very difficult Shabbos. You can imagine the anxiety uh, that they may be going through, even if they themselves are home for Shabbat. So keep that in mind, and, um, and we will continue to try to bridge the gap between the diaspora and our brothers and sisters in the Holy Land. Our friends in Stay Road, as you heard yesterday from Rabbi Ari Katz, uh, the majority of the community, of course, has uh, evacuated. And uh, their commitment, obviously, is to build back better than ever, but uh, it's going to take time to get there, quite obviously. They are helping families who've been displaced, obviously yeshiva boys and soldiers who uh, dominate the yeshiva on a normal during a normal time. In Stay Road, if you go to um, if you go to uh, let me make sure I have this. I have this uh, proper here. Um, I want to make sure I give you the right address. 
if you go to um <laughs> give me a second and I'll I'll have it for everybody here. On a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. Um Friends of org. How on earth I could not <laughs> remember that is strange. Uh Friends of is the uh is the address. Friends of And uh, again, when you give to that campaign now, obviously everything they raise in the near future is being used to help families. Yeshiva boys and soldiers who have been uh, displaced uh, and or have been called up to the reserves. Yesterday, that was quite a moment, I thought, when we were speaking to Rabbi Ari Katz, and the point was made about these soldiers who are um, who have been called up from Stay Road, and now they are literally protecting not only the people of Israel and Jewish people all around the world and the state of Israel, but they're li- literally protecting their own home. It, mu- it, mu- it must be a... Uh, an an even more enhanced experience than even what their colleagues are uh, are feeling at the at the moment literally protecting their own home going up against the enemy that wanted nothing more but to murder as many Jews as possible by air and and um by all the other methods that the savages use to brutally murder Jews more coming up Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Candle lighting officially 559 in the New York, New Jersey area. Uh, Rosh Chodesh is Sunday and Monday. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Again, a two-day Rosh Chodesh beginning tomorrow night. Rosh Chodesh Mar Cheshvan is Sunday and Monday. More coming up at JM in the AM. Ve 
in the AM. Yair Rosenberg with Curry Bone wrapping up the hour for us here at JM in the AM. Ari Goldwag, brand new on Nainu Tzahal. Misha Berach for our soldiers done by Aryeh Kunstler. I believe Aryeh Kunstler wrote that song because of our friends from Grilling for IDF who we're about to speak to after our newscast. Uh, and, and boy, how timely, huh? He just wrote it a few weeks ago. And how timely. There are some beautiful Mishaberichs for Tzal. His new one is amazing. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. <laughs> Golly, Tzal in the background. Hard to believe that one week ago we were speaking on Hoshana Rabba morning, anticipating a fun, joyous, and spiritually uplifting Shmini Atzeres Simchas Torah. A week later, none of us can possibly concentrate on anything else other than our brothers and sisters in Israel. Uh, after our news from Israel, as promised, we'll get to our friends at Grilling for the IDF who have stepped up their efforts to say the least. They've always had strong efforts around the country, but now they are... They're operating at warp speed. And then, of course, uh, Harry Rothenberg, Malcolm Honline coming up with our weekly update. Plenty more here at JM and the AM. Galat Sal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next. היום השביעי למלחמה, רקטה פגעה בבניין באשקלון, אין נפגעים. מדווחת כתבתנו עדה שטייף. במטח ירי הרקטות בשעה האחרונה באשקלון נפלו מספר טילים באזורים השונים. אין נפגעים, אך ישנן פגיעות ברכוש. במטח הראשון נפגע בית בעיר, בו לא שעה איש. במטח השני פגעה רקטה בבניין שחלקו עלה באש. באזור נפילה אחר פגע רקטה במספר מכוניות חונות שעלו באש, כוחות כיבוי במקום. טיל נוסף פגע בגן ילדים, נזק לגן הנעול. 
צה"ל הכריז על אזור הגדר במושבה מטולה כשטח צבאי סגור והועברה הנחיה לתושבים לעזוב את היישוב. ההחלטה נתקבלה כפעולת מנע נגד חיכוך של אזרחים לבנונים או גורמים שברצונם לפגוע בתושבי המקום. במקביל, תושבי הערים הסמוכות הונחו שלא להיכנס למטולה ולא להפריע לכוחות הצבא הפרוסים באזור. כתבנו בצפון, הדר גיציס מבהיר כי אין כל אירוע חריג המתרחש במקום בשעה זו. הסתיימו תפילות יום השישי בהר הבית. כוחות משטרה רבים הוצבו בעיר העתיקה ובמזרח ירושלים ובדקו את הנכנסים לתפילה. עשרות התאספו בוואדי ג'וז לתפילה וצעדה שהתפתחה להפרת סדר. כתבתנו בבירה נועה ברנס מוסיפה כי השוטרים השתמשו באמצעים לפיזור הפרות הסדר במקום. בבית העלמין הצבאי בחיפה הסתיימה הלווייתו של סמר אמיר אייל, זיכרונו לברכה, שנרצח על ידי מחבלי חמאס בבסיסו. כתבנו קובי מנדל מוסר שאלפים נכחו בלוויה. אמו ספדה לו, והזמר שלמה ארצי שר שיר לזכרו. החיים לא הכינו אותנו ליום הנורא, בוא נצטרך להספיד אותך. אין דבר קשה יותר מאשר הורים שצריכים להספיד את הבן שלהם, בן 19, שהוא כל כך תאב חיים. היינו משפחה מלוכדת ומאושרת. טיילנו בארץ ובחו"ל, כל כך הרבה טיולים וחוויות. נותרו לנו אלפי צילומים מאותם טיולים. תמיד היית מחייך ומאושר. כי בשבילה אתה תביא, אין לך בעקבות המלחמה, חברות התעופה הישראליות תבצענה טיסות בשבת. במקביל, רכבת ישראל תפעיל החל מהערב בשעה 6, רכבות שתעצורנה בתחנות נתב"ג, באר שבע מרכז ותל אביב סבידור מרכז. מחר בשבת, החל מהשעה 7 בבוקר ועד ל-9 בערב, תופענה רכבות בין באר שבע לנהריה, שתעצורנה בתחנות נמל התעופה בן גוריון, תל אביב סבידור מרכז וחוף הכרמל בחיפה. הנסיעות תהיינה חינם. ידיעה שריכזו כתבנו עינב קרנר וגל ג'רסי. מזג האוויר מעונן חלקית עד בהיר ללא שינוי ניכר בטמפרטורות. בצהריים והלילה ייתכן גשם מקומי, בעיקר בצפון. אחר משעות הצהריים הגשם יתחדש. אלה החדשות. JM in the AM, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. It's Erev Shabbos Bracious. It's Erev Shabbos Mavarachim. Rosh Chodesh Mar Cheshvan begins tomorrow night. It's a two-day Rosh Chodesh. Sunday and Monday. And, uh, and we are, um, of course, focused on our brothers and sisters in Israel. Uh, and we're bringing to the attention of our audience uh, over the last few days a lot of interesting causes, most of them causes that we've become familiar with over the years and ha- that have now stepped up their efforts like crazy. And our friends at Grilling for IDF, literally, there's an organization, Grilling for IDF. If you don't recall our conversation from a few months ago, I will uh, refresh your memory. They wrote the following, by the way. And I'll find out from Elliot Auerbacher in a moment if this is um, from today or from two days ago when this was written. But here, here's what they wrote on their website, grillingforidf.com. By the way, it's for, F-O-R, like it's a regular, normal way of spelling, grillingforidf.com. And we can't recommend them enough for, uh, for a donation for those of you who want to help out. And again, we'll discuss it in detail in a moment. Here's what they wrote. They wrote, things here are crazy, as you well know. 
We are blessed to be able to help in our small way by building morale in the IDF. Grillingforidf.com fed 4,700 soldiers yesterday and 6,600 so far this week. We've spent over $20,000 just yesterday on food. We're 100% volunteers, no salaries. 100% of your donations go directly to feeding our fighters. Please give until it hurts. <laughs> Amen to that. Elliot Auerbacher is founder of Grilling for IDF. A pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Thank you so much, Nachum. It's great to be here. Uh, when when do you think this was written? Did this go up today? Did this go up earlier in the week? When would, uh, in What day are they referencing uh, in terms of this uh, notice on your website? It was written first thing Thursday morning. It was referencing Wednesday. What happened on Tuesday was that there was a picture of our fighters leaving Gaza and being hungry and eating at McDonald's. And we were lucky enough that one of our team members was there on site, and there were a couple of people who were making omelets for the soldiers. And he went over to them and said, you're making them omelets? Why don't you make them a barbecue? And their response was, you know how expensive a barbecue is? We don't have grills. We don't have meat. We don't have utensils. We don't have a way to do it. And Noah Kaplan, the son of our co-founder, Dave Kaplan from Toronto, turned to them and said, I know a guy. <laughs> the, following, the following morning, they came with a truck and a trailer um, to Modian, and they picked up thousands of uh, buns and hamburger buns and uh, a pallet of water and a half a pallet of energy drinks, um, hummus, pitas, and we sent them 400 kilo of meat. And on Wednesday, they fed in one place 3,000 soldiers, and not one soldier walked into McDonald's. We did the same thing on Thursday and fed another 2,500 soldiers just at that one location. Uh, We have fed now for the week Um, I don't know what the count is for today, but up until last night, 16,300 soldiers. We were also able, there was a challah baking um, mission done by a whole bunch of volunteers. And because we have access to the bases, we delivered today 14,000 challahs to the members of the the IDF from as far north as Rosh HaNikra to as far south as uh, the Gaza border. Elliot Auerbacher is with us. You know, Elliot, I said earlier that the the well-established organizations, those that, you know, took all this very, and not that no one's taking this seriously, even the startups are obviously taking this very seriously, and you have colleagues that are doing similar work, so everyone's taking this seriously. But those that have really established themselves over the years, like your organization, they're now operating at warp speed. I'm sure a week ago you never dreamt of the numbers of soldiers that would have to be fed and that, thank God, you and your volunteers were able to feed. And you certainly never thought you'd become a challah delivery service for 14,000 people. <laughs> uh, we, fed, we fed more people this week. We fed 5,000 more soldiers this week than we have in total in the last three years combined. Is there, by the way, because I'm hoping, first of all, I'm hoping everybody in this audience gives something. Uh, Go to grillingforidf.com, everybody. Grillingforidf.com. You see what you're supporting. Uh, And it's 100% volunteers, no salaries, etc. So I hope everyone gives something before Shabbos. But 
is there an estimate? Like if you do a barbecue today for a thousand soldiers and somebody in this audience wants to fund the entire barbecue, like, is there a number you could throw out where someone can, you know, consider, wow, I want to take uh, me and my family. We want to take care of an entire barbecue for people. Um, it's really hard because it's based on where they are and what we can get to them. But, uh, at a normal, bef- before this Balagan started, we were spending about um, 25 to $30 per soldier per barbecue. Um, right now, we're spending a little bit less because we're grilling out of um, two locations and then shipping the food in hot boxes to where it's going. But we're averaging the last three days a little more than $22,000 just in food every day for the past three days. And um, Baruch Hashem, we, we've been able to raise so far this week a little over three hundred thousand uh, dollars. So all right, we so do have a little bit. So, if a family wanted to give twenty grand, they're essentially, you know, helping you take care of all the provisions for for a significant barbecue. Correct for a day. Elliot Auerbacher is with us, founder of Grilling for IDF. Now, uh, two things. First of all, on a practical level. I said this earlier in the show, and maybe because I'm a big guy who remembers, you know, when I when I was somewhat athletic and a little bit more a little bit more active. Um, you know, these soldiers are not only you know isolated and in situations that are you know sometimes hard to get food, and you know there there are just so many energy energy bars one can eat. Uh, until they're feeling satisfied. Uh, I would imagine with the thousands of calories that they're burning off every day, in addition to all the other factors of morale, which we'll get to afterwards, just practically, when they see you guys pull up and you're bringing them thousands of pounds of meat and they're about to enjoy a barbecue, just physically, it must be a tremendous relief for them. Uh, We'll get to the morale in a moment, the morale boost, but am I right that just physically you see guys who who are, you know, completely changing their composure uh, once they realize that they're about to eat a real meal? Uh, Like you wouldn't believe. I I don't know how many people in your audience have ever been in the IDF, and I don't know how many people in in your audience have ever eaten um, slop out of a can. And if that's what you have and you have nothing else, you hold your nose and you put some food into your mouth, Um, Because you need to have something in your belly when you're going out to battle. But to walk out of wherever you are and to have hamburgers and entricot steaks. And um, uh, we did so many different things this week. We did hot dogs and we did uh, um, kebabs and we did we did whatever we could get our hands on because we bought out. we We totally bought out the warehouse of three different butchers. We had over 350 volunteers this week, including drivers. And we were sending people to Beit Shemesh, to Kiryat Sefer, because we can only buy for the army halak, uh, call it the Israel-style glot kosher. Right. And um, so it was very hard for us to get meat. And the butchers that we buy from every week um, told us that I won't have again for the next three days. So we had to make some new relationships and, uh, you know, just to be able to get um, our hands on halak meat. But I will tell you that uh, wives and mothers who were calling about their 
you know, family members who are literally hungry because they can't eat the other items um, are calling us up crying um, that we made it to wherever their family members like are they- and are feeding them. And they're overcome with emotion that, you know, they're worried enough about the danger of their family members being at war. But to think that they're at war and hungry is is a very, very bad feeling for a family member, especially a parent. And we're literally doing some very great stuff. Oh, no no question. I'm proud. I'm proud. I'm proud to be a member of the team. Elliot Auerbacher, founder of uh, Grilling for IDF, is with us. All right, and finally, uh, you know, we see the videos. We see a lot of simcha and joy among the soldiers, and uh, frankly, it's hard for us to even relate to that. How they're able to keep up their morale and their upbeat mood when they're in the middle of this, uh, you know, what's going to become an even more serious operation. And so many of them, of course, have already been participating in in rescue and recovery in situations that none of us ever, ever want to be involved with and that they will be uh, affected by for the rest of their lives. Um, Yet they're able to, you know, to stay upbeat at the times that it's necessary to do so. What can you tell us about the morale of the IDF? You've seen thousands of soldiers in the last few days. What can you tell us about their morale? I will tell you that they're steadfast, they're on a mission. There is nobody in this country who is more than a degree of separation away of knowing somebody who unfortunately um, has already been killed, whether it was on Shabbat uh, and whether it has been since that time, every single person is affected. And when people are affected, they can go one of two ways. They can hang their heads and be sad but they can become resolute and know that the time is for talking is over and the time for action is now. And I have never, ever seen the level of spirit in our fighting forces as I've seen in the past three days. They are writing, you know, um, in, in memory of and putting names of people on missiles that are being shot. They are literally singing and, and, and dancing as they enter into the fray and they are just ready to do what needs to get done right now because what happened on Shabbat should never have happened and the brutality of it and to know that Jews being slaughtered and Jewish blood is cheap and watching our enemies celebrate what happened um, really made people angry and all of the you know, left wing, right wing, all of those discussions have gone away because right now we're in a fight. And when you're in a fight, you become a fist. And a fist doesn't have five fingers that are wagging in different directions. A fist is one piece. We're not asking anybody if they're for the uh, judicial reform or against the judicial reform. We're just going out and showing the love and feeding the high limb and we're pumping them up. And when they know that there are you know, millions of Jews who are standing behind them and are helping them get through what they're needing to get through. Um, It really fills them with a whole lot of additional spirit that they didn't even know they had. And it really gives them the energy that they need and the morale that they need to go ahead and do this very, very difficult job. Unbelievable. 
Elliot Auerbacher is with us from Israel. He's founder of Grilling for IDF. There are a lot of causes out there, and we've featured a lot of very serious causes that are on very serious campaigns to help families that have been displaced, to help soldiers that are on the front lines, to help people who need basic necessities, and we are encouraging everybody to do all that. But but toss Grilling for IDF on your list of uh, places and causes to support because it might seem like they're just making barbecues for thousands of soldiers, but they are boosting morale. They are helping to unify the Jewish people. And frankly, as Elliot described earlier, uh, they're able to get the, um, the soldiers off the, off the, uh, uh, off the slop and the, uh, and the energy bars that so dominate their diet right now. Not a criticism for those who are sending those, obviously they're necessary and they, they're able to have a full, delicious kosher incredible meal uh together with um with hundreds of volunteers grilling I'd like to, yeah i'm sorry go ahead i'd like to add, i'd like to i'm sorry to interrupt i'd like to add something else um because it just came upon us so suddenly we actually stepped a little bit out of our grilling comfort zone we also provided this week over 1500 lamps for the helmets we also provided the 1300 um phone chargers. We provided socks and underwear and toothpaste and shampoo in the opening days. Um, we've gone back uh, on Thursday. We went back to only food again, but on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, because we were going out and we had a, uh, an easier time of reaching the platoons and, and, and getting um, directly to them, we brought them everything that they needed that we could possibly get our hands on. So we did spend three days um, filling in gaps that were necessary. Um, and uh, because you can't send people out to battle without their basic necessities. Yep. Food is one of them, but clothing and, 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 and lights for your helmets and being able to charge your phone to call your family and let them know that you're okay are also things that are critical. So um, we added some other things to Grilling for IDF just for this week. Um, we've gone back just to meet again, but, uh, we did spend quite a bit of money on other essential items as well this week. And if, uh, your listening audience out there can support us, uh, every dollar makes a difference. And, uh, the one thing that I'm getting back in all of the videos and all of the mempays that are calling me, they're promising me that they will be victorious and they will do what needs to be done. Amen to that. Give what you can, everybody. Can't recommend it highly enough. Grillingforidf.com. Grillingforidf.com. Elliot Auerbacher, please convey to the soldiers that there are people all around the world concerned about them every minute of the day. Thank you. Shabbat shalom, everybody. And Shabbat shalom. Let's hope, in fact, it is an actual Shabbat shalom. More coming up. You're listening to a Friday morning Erev Shabbos Bracious edition of JM in the AM. Harry Rothenberg has words for this upcoming Shabbos. His words are uh, presented in honor of a Rafur Shlema for Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava. Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava. Harry Rothenberg on JM in the AM. I'd like to dedicate these words to uplifting the souls in heaven of those whom we lost in the horrifying attacks over the weekend. May their loved ones be comforted while mourning. May the injured be healed. May the captives return and may the soldiers come back safely after successful missions. 
Right at the beginning of the Torah, we're told that a river ran out from the Garden of Eden. And then it became four other rivers, and we get the names of each one. The fourth one, we only get the name. Pras. Commentators explain the Euphrates, it's so famous, doesn't need any other description. It's mentioned in connection with Israel, enough said. For the second and the third, we get the name and the land that they run through. For the first one, we get the name Pishon and the land that runs through, Chavila, and additional detail. It's curious. We're told there's gold there and it's good gold. And there's the Evan Hashoham there, the onyx stone, and Bedolach crystal. Why do we need all that detail? Would we have asked if we weren't told? The gold that's there, is that good gold? Is it 14 carat? Is it 18 carat? Why do we need to know that? One commentator explains that the first river, Pishon, is the Nile. So maybe that's a clue for a possible answer. Maybe this is an unbelievable example of dramatic foreshadowing from God at the very beginning of the Torah. God's telling us, in 20 generations, Avram's going to be born. The Jewish people are going to begin. But eventually, they're going to go down to Egypt as slaves but eventually I'm going to rescue them. And when they come out, they're going to get slave reparations. They're going to get gold from their masters, not just any gold, good gold, the gold I told you about right at the beginning of the Torah. And when they get into the wilderness, they're going to appoint the high priest, the Kohen Gadol. He's going to need certain special articles of clothing, including an aphod, an apron. And they're going to have to insert shoham, onyx stones, into that apron. Where are they going to get them from? They're going to get them from Egypt because the Evan Hashoham, the onyx stone, that's right next to the Nile. I told you that also at the beginning of the Torah. And then I'm gonna bring manna down from heaven, that incredible miracle food that tasted like anything they wanted. And it's gonna look like, as the Torah later tells us, Bedolach crystal. So the Jews are gonna see it every morning, glistening in the sunlight when they go to collect it. And they're gonna say, wow, it's beautiful. It looks just like the crystal that our Egyptian masters used to have. God's telling us right at the beginning of the Torah that he's got a plan for thousands of years into the future and nothing's going to get in the way of his plan. And sometimes it's easy to see and feel that when things are going well for us. And sometimes it's very, very difficult, like this week. After the Jewish people suffered our worst day since the Holocaust. And it's very tempting to rail or rage at heaven or be curious and ask God, how could you let this happen? Why? We can't do that. Now more than ever, we've got to remind ourselves that he's got a plan and we have no idea what it is. So instead of asking how or why, ask, what can I do? What can each of us do for the Jewish people? What can I do to comfort the mourners? What can I do to help the injured? What can I do to try to return the captives? What can I do to lift the spirits, the morale of the soldiers and help ensure that they're safe on their missions, that they return home in one piece after defending the Jewish people. God has reassured us that as part of his plan, the Jewish people, no matter what, will survive. There are times like now when it's going to be painful, but we will prevail. Am Yisroel Chai. First time ever there Strapped into his knapsack With his long and curly hair He stood there for a while Then broke out with a smile Motion overwhelming joy With tears The men were dancing there The heart so full of love They sang such happy tunes Thank the one above 
for showing them the way, for giving them a day to rest, rejoice with peace of mind, to pray. Shabbos came along, his feelings grew so strong, he first began to feel that he belonged. Just one Shabbos and we'll all be
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Breishas, Shabbos Mavarachim, will bench Rosh Chodesh Marcheshvan. Marcheshvan will begin, well, Rosh Chodesh will be tomorrow night. It'll be a two-day Rosh Chodesh, Sunday and Monday. Candle lighting on this Erev Shabbos Mavarachim is 559 in New York, 559. Make sure you know when things start uh, where you are. Again, 559 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Thanks to those of you listening around the world. Much appreciated. Um, We have uh, emphasized over the last 90 minutes a a whole bunch of different things. Uh, This is the, um, the day that the enemy has designated, as all of us have heard, uh, for, um, for jihad day of rage around the world. Um, we went earlier, we, I'm sure this will come up with Malcolm as well. Uh, we went through some of the procedures that, uh, I mean, all, all obvious, of course, just, you know, reminding people about how important security measures are, especially in our public places, synagogues, etc. And there will be an enhanced police presence, a law enforcement presence, uh, certainly in New York and New Jersey, I'm sure in every major area of this country, no doubt all through Shabbos. Let's make sure to thank those um, law enforcement officials that we see. Let them know what our community's attitude is toward uh, public safety and law enforcement and express the appreciation that we live in an area that takes our safety seriously, which has not always been the case in Jewish history. Think about that. Uh, We pray, of course, for our soldiers, those who are on the front lines and those who are in any area that are defending the uh, Jewish people and the state of Israel, protecting the Jewish people in the state of Israel. We are praying to God for their safety. We are praying to God that um, somehow our Israeli officials and military personnel will come up with a successful plan to free the hostages, give some measure of comfort to the um, families that are in such agony especially the families who have no information, those who unfortunately have definitive information. I guess they have somewhat of a measure of comfort. I don't know. I can't speak to that, thank God. But um, but those who have no information, the agony must be even, even more debilitating. So let's pray to the one above. And the, the tefillah and, uh, tf- and, um, and tehillim gatherings in this area have been unbelievable. I mean, it really is heartwarming to see tens of thousands of people gathering uh, in support of our brothers and sisters in Israel. It's just amazing. I mean, look, this is, you know, <laughs> this, is the re- this is the result of what the enemy has done. Uh, the unity is at a level that is um, immeasurable in a very positive way. And that has to continue, obviously. And... Um, I appreciate those who are photographing and videographing all of the different gatherings because it gives tremendous chizuk, unit, feelings of unity, feelings of comfort to uh, certainly to anybody who sees it, but imagine what it does for the people in Israel. So keep sending those through social media. We do need positive images going viral through social media as much as possible. And, um, and the different causes that we spoke about, some of the causes and gave out some of the information. 
There are many different things to support. Uh, we have uh, really concentrated on some of the causes this week that have demonstrated in the past their their responsibility and commitment to um, to helping Israel. I'm not in any way condemning any startup organization or grassroots efforts that has begun, believe you me, not at all. We'll feature some of them as well. But this week we've really concentrated on some of the um, – some of the ones that we've become familiar with over the years. And just again, I'm going to, uh, to mention, just again, I'm going to mention that someone who's very dear to us, our of our own parents and his family, his wife and children are going through a very difficult time. One that I'm sure is being replicated in too many homes in Israel. And that is the, uh, and that is the fact that they do not know the whereabouts of their son. A tank soldier, he and his, uh, his, his tank comrades have been missing since the beginning of the week. And they do not know what their fate is or was, and they do not know if they were abducted or not. And imagine that they are going through all this now. And again, one can only imagine that this is being replicated way, way too many times and in too many places in uh, in Israel at this point. So what they did was um, World Mizrahi, under the leadership of Harav Daron Peretz, has created a Tsevet Peretz emergency campaign. They're raising life-saving funds to protect and care for our soldiers for the merit of the speedy return of Daniel Shimon Ben Sharon and the members of his tank crew. And this is the campaign that Rav Rimon, who again has tremendous credibility for a long, long time when it comes to these efforts, this is the effort led by Rav Rimon to get ceramic vests the ceramic bulletproof vest inserts, tactical helmets, and miscellaneous items to the soldiers. Tsevet Peretz is the name of the tank crew led by Daniel Peretz, son of Rav Daron and Shelley, which has not been heard from since the opening morning of the war, since last Shabbat, since Shemini Atzeris. So, number one, you're supporting a cause that's being done in the merit of... Uh, Daniel Shimon and his crew and their speedy return. Please, God, please, God. And in addition to that, you're supporting Ravi Mon's fund, which is uh, being utilized so responsibly and getting so much equipment, necessary equipment to soldiers who need it. Here's the address, Mizrahi.org slash Tsevet Perez. Mizrahi.org slash Tzevet, T-Z-E-V-E-T, Perez, P-E-R-E-Z, Mizrahi.org, slash Tzevet Perez, T-Z-E-V-E-T, P-E-R-E-Z. That is the address. Be as generous as possible, and of course, we thank you. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, uh, Malcolm Holmline is scheduled to join us a couple of minutes from now. He has returned from Israel. It will be very interesting and likely heartbreaking to hear his 
account of what he saw, because I do believe he was down south, something we'll confirm when we speak with him. Um, when we speak with him in just a moment, or in a couple of minutes here at JM in the AM. Um, and of course, we will ask him all the, not, I don't know about all, but certainly many of the questions that you likely have been asking yourself and others over the last few days. So we will get to that coming up here at JM in the AM. Um, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, candle lighting 559. Rosh Chodesh begins tomorrow night, a two-day Rosh Chodesh. Sunday and Monday, Rosh Chodesh, Mar Cheshvan. And you are listening to a Friday Erev Shabbos bracious edition of JM in the AM. Yeah. 
J.M. in the A.M. Can't play that enough times this week. Those who are making sure in many different formats and many different areas, especially those who, no, who do not normally do so, those who are including the prayer for the welfare of the state of Israel and the Mishaberach the Mishaberach for the members of the IDF, Israel's Defense Forces, Kol uh, keep that going, of course, obviously. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, JM and the AM. It's uh, Parsha's Bracious, candle lighting 559, officially in New York and New Jersey. Uh, make sure you know when things start where you are. A big shout-out to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. Obviously, there's a lot going on in this world. If you want to print out thousands of articles before Shabbos and educate yourself more and more regarding about uh, what's happening, go to JewishWorldReview.com and enjoy. Uh, it's rare that Malcolm and I um, uh, speak before uh, our conversations on the air about uh, the format of a conversation, but uh, he and I spoke earlier this morning and felt there's no more appropriate way with all the things that we need to discuss this morning, no more appropriate way than to speak about the eyewitness account that he had uh, this week. He's just back from the state of Israel. Malcolm Honline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish organizations. He is with us live via telephone. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's good to be back with you and with the people after too long an absence. Oh, that's uh, that's true. And whoever thought, I was just saying we were sitting here last Friday speaking with our listeners about the beauty of Hoshana Rabba, the joy and peace and the and the incredible joy that we were all anticipating, Shemini Atzeres, Simchas Torah, and the Jewish world is very different now. Uh, you had, early, just a few days ago, obviously the attack happened just a few days ago, just a couple of days ago you had a first-hand eyewitness account to the brutality, savagery of the murderous methods of the enemy and the extent that they went through to brutalize murder and exterminate as many Jews as possible in as brutal a fashion as one can imagine. Let us begin, 
please tell us about your eyewitness account in the southern part of Israel. So I went to visit some of the soldiers who were wounded. I'd been in touch with many of the families. I'd been visiting people, meeting in Israel throughout. Uh, I, we were, I was on my way to shul when the first alarms in Yerushalayim set off. We did not know, obviously, it was Shabbos morning, what had happened uh, an hour earlier with the invasion, and uh, uh, but started to hear the, the explosions in Jerusalem, near Jerusalem. Uh, and as we walked to Shul, and Shul six times, we had a stop because of um, the people going to the safe room. Uh, and at the Imbal Hotel, the, the, the Shuls were in the basement anyway, so we didn't have to really go anywhere. But the constant interruptions and the, um, the seriousness of the moment was apparent to everybody. And of course, some of the non-Jewish staff filled us in and... Um, they briefed me on on what they knew, and then, as soon as it was possible, after Yontif, I went to the hospital to visit some of the soldiers, together with Ali Jaffe, because in my capacity as president of Great Synagogue, we were invited to come. And I met, of the six soldiers I visited and spent time with, three of them were people whose family I knew. One from Montreal, whose brother was a good friend of mine, and two from the United States, whom I knew their I knew their families as well. So there was no distance in visiting people, these young guys, and their only interest was to get well, to go back and fight again. They were in the front line in the Nachal unit that was almost completely wiped out. And they fought so brilliantly and so courageously against overwhelming odds. One of them told me that he he fired from there were three of them in the dining room, and they used one bullet at a time to fight, to hold off until the the army came finally. It was for several hours. They held off an assault by the terrorists by firing one bullet at a time. Uh, then uh, when I was meeting with them, they said to me, you have to go to the south. I said, look, I don't think so. You know, it's in position, he said, and, and it's a closed area. And they said, no, you have to, because if you don't see it, you can't tell it. And those words resonated with me. And I said, you know what, you're right. And uh, through my friend, Mati Fried, uh, who's the head of Sadamarpa and Pico Bezer Holden from Bells, who was down on the front line every day, 12 hours, 14 hours, they give out food, they work on the collecting the bodies. And uh, with Zaka, I went down and I went first through Stay Road, and on the way, on the highway uh, near Stay Road, I started to see cars driven over the side of the roads, abandoned, doors open, windshields shot out, the front and back, which means that they were trying to kill the children. And it turned out that the terrorists drove on motorcycles up and down the highway, just shooting everybody who was on there. And they went over on the side of the roads. Then. Uh, I went to Be'iri, and frankly, I cannot truthfully tell you what was there, because it was so horrific, so barbaric, so inhumane, and people are coming into Shabbos. They have to know the truth of what, what I saw, and I was the only civilian, I think, there, and to see the courage of the guys from Zaka and Datsala and from all these groups from Sadomarpa working, collecting the bodies, 
I saw a truck and the most uh, outrageous part was that it was a most chewing gum truck because they, the companies provided refrigerated trucks because the army didn't have enough of them to bring back the bodies from the 20 locations where assaults took place. Here in Beiri, which is a community of a thousand people, they, uh, a very significant part of them were wiped out. They went door to door. They just killed everybody. They went in and where their people were hidden in a, in a safe room or something, they set fire to the house. The people came out, especially children, they shot them, they killed them. And in many cases, they mutilated the bodies. And I, I don't know what, what purpose it serves. You know, it's one thing if you could say that a military objective. There was no military objective. This was a place where people from Aza came and worked. And as you know, they found now detailed maps of all these locations because of the people who came to work there gave the information to Hamas so that they could have, they knew the streets, they knew the, the passageways, they knew the ways to get across the border in great detail. This was planned for two years. And in and in Beiri, you could see the blood on doors. You could see where where people try to resist, where family parents were trying to protect their children, and they would kill the parents in front of the kids, and then kill the kids. And the the extent of it is almost unbelievable. You, I can't find words, and I usually don't have a problem with words, to articulate fairly that what this Amalek with these Nazis. And you know what? They were worse than the Nazis. Nazis tried to cover up their crimes. They advertised it. They left the bodies of their children on the streets so that everybody would see it. They they posted videos. And some of the videos, which and now people are denying, oh, the videos aren't real. Believe me, they're real. If nobody staged this, while I was there, they still caught another terrorist in the in Beiri. and they they came seventy came into a community like this and just went door to door to kill people. A few escaped, some didn't, they didn't get, some people stayed in safe rooms and they couldn't get in. They tried to break in the doors and they couldn't, so they went, moved on eventually to the next place. But they went literally across the place and you see that they also time to smash up everything in people's houses. But what military purpose did that serve except to show the hatred, the barbaric nature of the enemy? They're, they're not human beings. And we have a, a command of Varta Harami Kirbacho. You got to get rid of the evil. This is the ultimate evil. They that it has to be very clear about what needs to be done. That there's no negotiations with people who will cut up pregnant women, who will do the things they did to to people. It's time for us one to come together in unlimited achdut. It means all barriers, all sides. You see how many people. In Israel, uh, uh, say that they were, you know, meaning they were wrong in, in, in the need to confront this. How many business leaders here wrote letters to colleagues saying, I never understood it till now, and I apologize for things that I've said and I've done. And unfortunately, there are too many who are just doubling down and who, who, who stand up on our college campuses in support of brutal murderers. They march for the Nazis. They march for, for the killers. And... The, the imperative first is active within our community, between our communities, that we stand with Israel, provide whatever you need. This is not a war for territory. As you know, there are no Israelis and no civilians, no military in Gaza. The complaints that, that oh, they don't have 
bomb shelters. You know why they don't have bomb shelters? Because their governments took all the cement and used them to build underground tunnels and spent hundreds of millions of dollars. They didn't build water re- reclamation. They didn't build electricity. Yeah. And, and by the they, way, and by the way, if they didn't attack Israel with rockets constantly, they wouldn't need bomb shelters. And that, that's exactly right. So we're we're, we're going we're gonna to get to all these issues that you just brought up, uh, obviously, but I, I must go back for a second. It, it sounds like what you just said, and we're so you know, focused on trying to understand the, the landscape of all this, uh, these cities, these kibbutzim, these small towns that are just over the Gaza border. Obviously, some of them, like Stay Road, we're somewhat familiar with, but there's so many we're now just becoming familiar with. You said that as you're in Barry. This was replicated in. You use the number twenty. Is that is that approximately how many towns uh, were were in fact infiltrated? In some cases, miraculously, thank God, saved. But is it was this the effort? They actually reached twenty towns. They had plans. For it, well, most of them are kibbutzim, and and uh, little places that are that they uh, assaulted. Sometimes with a dozen, a half a dozen. Sometimes with much larger numbers. There were. More than a thousand terrorists, at least, I've heard even much bigger numbers who came across. And that obviously raises a lot of questions. But uh, um, so there were many places and it took sometimes the army three, four hours till they got to them. Uh, And even post de facto, they, for instance, the place Kfar Aza, where the bodies of children were found, some of them beheaded, that the the uh, it was only while I was in Beiri that the security people came to me and said, we, we've just opened it up because first the, the Shin Bet has to go in and the army at least go in because they have to check if terrorists are hiding there and and terrorists remain still. There are some still remaining, believe in Israel, almost, I'm sure that it's a very small number and they still try to penetrate across the border, both by sea and by land. Uh, they still continued to make efforts. While I was there, the guy came to me and I saw his face. I, I said, are, are you all right? Do you need water? And he said, no, I just came from Kfaraza. And we found, and I'm not going to give you the number of bodies that they found, very big number. And they saw the children and they were strewn out publicly so that the soldiers entering would clearly see them. And uh, and so they're still uncovering places. I met with the guys who organized the music concert and they were down there helping to load the bodies. They were down there helping with the with the soldiers. And and by the way, to see the food that was coming, how guys, you know, drove down just to bring food to them and to 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 the soldiers to bring, you know, one guy called out Mincha and. All of a sudden, guys, soldiers, not religious necessarily, just came to stay in the government with them. Oh, yes. Mikam Chayusral. Of course, we've been emphasizing the chesed and the tefillah gatherings, Tehillim gatherings, and so much of that unifying aspect uh, that has been happening this week. But there's so many questions we need to ask you. And the first one is the is the obvious one. Um, and, and the time for blame, obviously, or whatever investigations is down the road. I mean, if 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 is if if modern Jewish if modern Israeli history is any indication then obviously the prime minister uh, is, is done at this point um, if experiences uh, by prior prime ministers are any indication but all that is down the road you know what everyone's asking Malcolm you know what everyone's thinking you and I rightfully 
sit here on a weekly basis lauding Israeli intelligence. If, God forbid, an attack takes place, we point out how nine other attacks were averted. We're, we're hearing about videos. We're hearing about intelligence information from Egypt. We're hearing about... Um, uh, about uh, what what the entry point, what the border crossing, um, how it was or were not or was not secured uh, at the Eras crossing. Uh, everyone's asking the question of how, how, and I'm sure you, through a a fit of anger, like every other Zionist and every other Israel lover in the world, was also going through this rage inside. How on earth is it possible for this to happen? Uh, when we know the capabilities of the Israeli intelligence system. Uh, Honestly, obviously, we all wrestle with this question. But as you said, I believe this is a question for later, not for now. But the the overwhelming nature of what happened, you know, on on, uh, I I raised even on this show, the question about the meeting that took place in Lebanon between Hamas, Hezbollah, and Iran. And I kept asking, why is the press not focusing more on it? And I spoke about it on on our Friday morning broadcast and about the bombs that they put by the side of the road, by the side of the barrier. And I kept saying, why would they do it there? It doesn't make any sense. They're not killing anybody, not hurting anybody. It's clear that they want to try to destroy the fence. And somehow this message didn't, didn't, uh, obviously they saw it, but the pieces were not put together. They had warnings. The Egyptians gave them some kind of warnings about unusual activities. They, they did move one intelligence unit closer, but they didn't believe that the exercises that had been going on along the border for some time. And they kept saying, oh, they're letting off steam. They're just, you know, and, and Hamas kept sending messages that they wanted that peace. They wanted the, they want no confrontation, et cetera, while while the people, you know, were actually training. And the interesting thing is the soldiers of the the, the killers of, of Hamas didn't even know what the real uh, intent was. They weren't told until that morning because they didn't want any leaks. And so they were able to carry on this thing for so long. The the uh, the preparation, which some say took was two years in the making, that they they were able to 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 carry it off because the precision with which this was done, how the trucks were ready, the gliders, the by sea, uh, the attempts by sea, which most of which were thank God foiled by the Israeli Navy, but all of these uh, uh, this complicated uh, 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 plan that was implemented. That's not something you do overnight. No, I, I get it. And and believe me, you know, I criticize all the people who are doing what I do, you know, which is <laughs> think they're a military expert or an intelligence expert. But when you hear about training sessions taking place a mile from the Israeli border, I don't know. I, I think in 2023, and I just think I could be totally wrong. In 2023, don't they have satellite images? Aren't they spying constantly on what's happening in that border? Like, it, 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 it doesn't it sound doesn't it seem bizarre to you? And hasn't it seemed that way for the last week that this would just get past Israeli intelligence? The answer is yes. And again, I don't second guess. I think we will wait until the time when we can have a real full inquiry. I agree with you. I think heads will roll, and usually people at the top are held to account. I think the the important thing now is that we not let anything come that divides people, that, you know, having blame games while we're at war doesn't help. Right now, we've got a 
Well, no, I hear that. I, I heard. Well, believe me, you know I hear I, that. But I understand the question. Yeah. Believe me, it's something. And the frustration and the yeah. anger. Look, you know what every Jew in the world is feeling at this point, and certainly those in Israel. I mean, you know what? I mean, I don't know how to tell you. You saw it firsthand. And of course, I'm sure now that you're back in the U.S., you're hearing it firsthand from everybody here. I do feel bad for the prime minister. Again, if history is an indication, then uh, then um, uh, it's it's going to be uh, really uh, the 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 complete U-turn from the glorious career that he's had. Uh, but we'll see what happens. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world web and AlhamSegal.com and the AlhamSegal Network and of course on the beloved NSN app, Malcolm Honeline. Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We're having a conversation we never dreamt we would be having today on the first weekly update after uh, after Yontif. Um, okay, you have to address this for us. Obviously, I've spent the last couple of days discussing whatever I know, whatever I've heard uh, with the listeners. But there are people in this country and probably other countries as well that are very concerned about this day of rage, day of jihad. You know, Malcolm that when police forces, especially the ones in our area, when they're prepared for something, generally everything stays quiet. It's when, God forbid, they're caught by surprise when things go nuts. Uh, what could you tell us and what could you tell leaders of institutions and synagogues about preparing, um, uh, not just for today, frankly, but you know, tomorrow Shabbos in synagogues and other Jewish locations as well? So the um, first thing is not to panic. Second thing is to see that the police, every cop in New York has been called in, in uniform. Uh, it's a precautionary measure. There are no specific warnings or threats. There are areas of concern. This is not something to be taken lightly. I think people have to exercise caution. I do not think schools should cancel. They should make sure they're in touch with their local precinct, make sure there's security for people to, to walk home and to walk to shul. Uh, I think, um, you know, we, we should not panic people and, and give in to the, to the terrorist threats. The fact that the, everybody is talking about the day of rage is a victory for the first. Yep. And the fact that some schools have canceled school, which I th- I mean, again, I'm not criticizing because obviously children's safety is the number one priority. But it does send, you have to admit, at, at, at least halfway you have to admit that, it's, that it sends a message to our, to our children that we're capitulating to the terrorists. Yes, I do admit, but that's a decision each school and each right. parent has to make. Agreed. No, but but you you know we have to think about what the long term implications of what of what we do. That, uh, I do not believe should confront the people at these demonstrations. I would ignore them. Uh, sometimes the demonstrators make up more of the crowd than the the crowd itself. The uh, uh, you know the fact that you have these demonstrations on campuses across. In, in so many places in America, people standing together with Nazis to stand together with the with the worst elements of uh, in the world and say that they stand with them and that they support them and has nothing to do with the Palestinian people because this is not about them. They quite the opposite. That if they cared about him, they certainly wouldn't have launched this act knowing that what the resultant uh, response would be. Malcolm, how is it that those at the highest level of academia, the most enlightened people in our Western culture, how is it that so many of them sympathize with Hamas? Because it's the pressure from within their campuses, the woke culture. This is this this uh, warped ideologies, and I hope maybe this will force some change. It's certainly bringing about change among some of the supporters and people who, till now, you know, closed an eye to what we we have seen that these 
This is not a war against Israel alone. This is a war against America. This is a war against Western values. This is a war against every principle and value we stand for. Because what was the attempt? They knew they weren't going to take territory. They knew that there were no soldiers in, in Gaza. This is a war of extinction. This is a war against the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, the Jewish faith, the Jewish future. So the battle that they're carrying on is a battle for every Jewish child yep. and grandchild great-grandchild. No question about it. And we need to feel that and we need to transmit that to the future generations. All right, I'm, all, I'm just concerned about time. There's so much to talk about. G- give me your reaction to Washington's reaction, although I don't think anybody can deny that President Biden has been unbelievable, but I'd like to get your reaction to that. Maybe toss in what you thought of Putin's statements regarding what had happened. Um, and in general, I, I would love to, uh, talking about international uh, re- well, this isn't a reaction issue, but you got to address for us as everyone continues to blame Iran and they knew about it. They funded it. They they endorsed it. What do you think practically really happened? Did these directives come from Iran? OK, so you've asked a lot of important questions yep. and, I, and, and I apologize if we wax, but this is so deep and so serious a yep. moment that, you know, every detail counts. Yep. First of all, I think the administration response has been remarkable. The president's statements. I know there are a lot of people criticize. There's a lot to criticize. But in this case, what the president said himself and even about the rule of law, et cetera, cetera, General Austin, the the secretary of defense is in Israel today. Made very good statements. The the, uh, secretary Blinken was there. Uh, Now today he's meeting with Abbas and, and met with the king of Jordan was not displayed any kind of heroism in this. Um, and uh, uh, so, the, the but more importantly to me is the presence of, now there will be two US aircraft carrier groups. The USS Eisenhower is joining the Gerald Ford in in uh, in the region off the coast of Israel, one in the, near Lebanon, one in the, in, in, off the coast of Jordan. That presence is really critical. And the fact that they give a warning to others not to interfere, and the the presence, you know, it doubles Israel's the, the aircraft available to defend Israel should the need arise, and the power of these groups. This is not a single ship, you know, even an aircraft carrier coming. These are large deployments uh, of ships that accompany the the uh, aircraft carrier. And if anybody has been on one, you know that it's like a city in and of itself. The, their presence there is a message to our allies, not just the United States, that we will stand up at a time when people were questioning America's resolve. Will America ever, they, did they disengage from everybody? This was, I think, the, a few times when we've seen this reverse message, a powerful message. Uh, so I think that that's one. Two, uh, we know that, by the way, all the support that came from the presidents of Italy, France, Germany, Britain all issued a joint statement with the U.S., a very strong statement. The fact that uh, they cut off aid, some of them, that the Eiffel Tower lit, lit in blue and white, the White House lit in blue and white. These are really unusual demonstrations, mm-hmm. the stations that, you know, I, I don't dismiss because it's it's important and it sends a message to the American people. But the the uh, this we know we only have a short period till public opinion, everything turns against us and turns against Israel and demands, you know, the escalate as the as the squad, the squids uh, said already the first day. And, uh, and Putin, uh, as you know, I think he's getting back at Israel because he felt that they've been too supportive of Ukraine. Uh, I think the, the uh, statements by Erdogan 
were unacceptable. And despite the fact that he's been on a charm offensive and we met with him just two weeks ago in New York and he was uh, was all light and charm and all the right things. And then it comes to the bottom line, you know, is being a, a Muslim Brotherhood a supporter, et cetera, comes out. And I think the Tunisian president's outrageous comments and some of the others as well, although we have to acknowledge the, the general support, overwhelming support in the first weeks. Again, the United Nations turns to its normal course. The role of Iran is really critical here. And Achman, you, you're raising it as with all the reports. Number one, they fund 90% of the budget of Hamas, Islamic Jihad, they fund Hezbollah. Without their, okay, I don't think these could take place. They use Pidge as a frontline attack. This is a way to get at Israel because Israel threatens their nuclear program. And the, uh, you know, the increasing efforts states in Israel to train together. You know, all of these uh, planes have been in Israel at the soldiers, the guys from the Central Command have been in Israel training over and over again, but not because of Gaza so much, but because of, of uh, I think, Iran. Uh, and we'll see whether there anything manifests there because you can't kill the state until you cut off its head. And the head is Iran. The head is Tehran. But in the meantime, we have to deal with their appendages. And Israel has to face a multi-front war where there, you see the escalation in from Lebanon of Hezbollah, although it's still very limited. And maybe they're just doing it for show. But I, it's not a that's not what we're complaining. You have to, Israel has more than 100,000 troops in the north as well, to the troops that we have in the south uh, to to clear out Gaza. And I think they're going to go for regime change. Iran has invested billions and billions and billions of dollars there. They didn't invest in farms and food and electricity. It all went for the terror operations. And this is a way for them to strike at Israel because they can't confront them directly. They, this is a way for them to strike and believe that they can attack. And I believe that some of the leaders thought Israel was weakened by the demonstrations, by the divisions and the you know, people calling for cutting aid, people calling for reserves not to show up. You know, now the return response to the call up was 120 percent <laughs> of the 120 on uh, on Russia on the second on the second on the second day Rosh Hashanah on the second day Rosh Hashanah as we were davening Mincha that Sunday afternoon, 60 Minutes was profiling. I saw the report after Yuntif. I don't think most people saw it because it was Yuntif. 60 Minutes profiled three people. Uh, who led the movement to make sure that all reservists, you know, as many as possible, would make a commitment not to serve in the Israeli army if called up. I have a feeling the three of them who they featured, plus the 10,000 that they tried to influence, all showed up to be part of this reserve movement. And people around the world, look how they're lining up to get flights to go back to Israel. Yeah. That people who, in every country, including the United States, there are not enough planes to take them all back. And when I went as I drove down to the south, we passed two major army bases and a smaller one for a mile, I would say, half a mile along the road on both sides. You saw cars parked on the highways, on the shoulders of the highways, because the soldiers literally heard the call, got in their cars as they were and drove down there, left their cars on the side of the highway to report into their bases. And I'm telling you, endless rows at both the bases that showed you know what the response has been and and seeing the soldiers down there nobody was complaining the haredim and the soldiers mingling hugging uh, the 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 unity that was that was uh, that is being demonstrated is is remarkable but we face an enemy 
that is unrelenting. Speaking speaking of which, just finish the earlier point. So why has Hezbollah sat out so far? Not that I'm wishing that they enter. Because, number one, they know what the retaliation response, because in the past, you you know, Israel was restricted because they didn't attack the Lebanese government. Uh, But here, Hezbollah is the Lebanese government and is part of the government, and therefore there are no restrictions anymore. Every house in southern Lebanon has a living room, dining room, bedroom, and rocket room. The, the response is so it's it's very complicated. You also have we don't know about tunnels or things that have not been discovered. The, Israel has been alert to this and working on it, but they cross now when they can use gliders to cross the fence. And there were reports this week of it. It was not true. Uh, there were some rockets, some mortars fired, mostly in in open areas. So we don't know if Hezbollah is just showing, you know, perform a response to to get the pressure off of them, or you know, from internally. Or they they uh, are really preparing and and building up because the people of Lebanon do not want the war and they know it right. and they know that this is going to put them in jeopardy. Malcolm, how much time do we have? You already see, I'm sure you've seen it. The mainstream media is already starting to feature you know people from inside Gaza who are talking about the hundreds of thousands, up to two million people that are in danger. And believe you me, we know that the last thing Israel ever wants is for a civilian to be hurt and to be caught in the crossfire, so to speak. Uh, you alluded to it before. Time's going to run out. How much time does Israel have to carry out this mission? And we haven't even addressed, and you must address this in your answer, the the issue of of uh, uh, of the hostages that are now being held by Gaza. Is that going to, uh, to delay Israel's response? Are they going to act very differently because of that circumstance? How much time does Israel have? How are they going to deal with the hostages? And remember, people should remember that Israel still gives warnings to civilians to evacuate, as they're doing in in the northern Sinai, telling people to get out. I mean, because that means the terrorists can get out also and move uh, with the population as they do. And they hide within civilian populations. You know, they fire from from mosques, from schools. So when a mosque is taken out, it's because it's being used to store weapons and because it's used to, to fire because they believe they're immune. To, to a response. The answer is nobody should be immune. No place should be immune. If they're used for terrorism, they're a target. That's number one. Number two, the time, I believe, is usually a week to 10 days maximum until the you know the demands for uh, de-escalation, the demands for ceasefire, both sides, both sides. Th- this cannot be the case this time. Unless Israel can really root it out, we're going to continue to come back and, and face this uh, enemy. Israel does, will not reoccupy Gaza. For a certain for any period of time, because they don't want it, they got out of it. They withdrew completely once, and that was the hope would be that they built something. So you saw what they built. The the terror the infrastructure situation. I met with some of the families. I mean, you cannot. There are no words. You saw there was a, 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 a an immigrant uh, from many years ago from either Scotland or Ireland, a Jewish immigrant who lived in one of the communities, and he was notified that his daughter was was found dead and he started applauding he applauded and he said to the reporter that was my first response because i i did not want her to be a hostage you know what they do to hostages there and i could not think what the torture that she would be so i'm relieved for her sake that she's she's not a hostage there and you know you saw what they did to some of the the women and what they did to some of the men and then dancing on the body doing the most it's indescribable, brutal, barbaric action. So Israel has a responsibility to try to get them out. They, they announced today 
that 12 of the hostages were killed in bombings. You can be sure, sure that's not the truth. There wasn't the bombings. It was because of the these guys. They, they kill people wantonly. They have children there. They have mothers with their kids. One can't even imagine the horror that these poor people are going through. I think Israel may well try to rescue some of them. But you know what? Frankly, the 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 time has come where Israel will have to do what it does to 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 um, get them, and at the same time to root out the 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 Hamas infrastructure. And of course, we pray to the one above that Israel somehow is able to save uh, those who are still alive. Um, as you said, one can only imagine the terror and horror that they're going through. And the president of Israel pointed out yesterday, I, I didn't realize how important a point it was until I was pondering it in the afternoon yesterday, that uh, victims from 36 different countries, you'd think the international outcry, as much as it's been, would be even so much more, especially at the United Nations, but but they're just, you know, they're, they're not worth anything. But 36 countries, natives and, uh, and one-time residents of 36 countries were murdered Last Shabbos, and uh, you know, do you talk about Israel being a melting pot? Israel being, you know, sort of the the site of kibbutz Goliath, and obviously that refers normally to Jews. But it is pretty remarkable. There are a lot of people in Israel for Sukkot who are faith people of faith that are non-Jewish. Right. These are people who lived in these villages. Some who were workers there, foreign workers. Some yep. who were from Thailand and places like that. I think there are twenty some from Thailand. Uh, including hostages from uh, various countries that that were taken, uh, they that the the answer that every one of those countries should be getting up in the United Nations condemning the Hamas and, and speaking out and and defending Israel and saying that you know that the international community has to get those hostages out. It's their responsibility. It is true that they were people. When you look at the list, it's really remarkable how diverse. The, the national origins are, and of course, there's a large group of Americans and a number of American uh, citizens have been killed in the fighting and, and the, the soldiers that... And abducted. And and unfortunately, amongst the uh, abducted. And the, you know, the unit, the Nahal unit, which was, uh, it had quite a few uh, Americans, Canadians and others in it. You know how many shuls in Israel that normally have hundreds of people are going to have very few this Shabbos because so many people have been called up? That's true, but people are turning out to shuls that, you know, uh, as, a, as you know, I'm president of a great synagogue. We are being besieged by people who want to help, who want to do stuff. They want to set up a blood bank, and it turned out that there's no need for blood. The response from a one-day call for blood was so great that the blood banks were all full that they couldn't take it and everybody is just looking for a way to respond and i believe people will go to shul the shamas they they will go to to daven in israel and i hope in america people will and that everybody will say that's feel for medina and feel for tzahal that uh, and for the and for the captives it's really important that we show that all of us are part of this. I don't care what your ideological yeah. or religious views are. I, I, we, we've emphasized, and, and, and you know I'm the first to criticize when certain groups do, do take or don't take certain actions. But boy, the Russian yeshiva who insisted the yeshivas open immediately after Shemini Atzeres and Torah, 
uh, the you know normally they would wait at least a week until Rosh Chodesh. Uh, the gatherings in places like Lakewood and Brooklyn and Muncie and tens of thousands. What a tremendous Kiddush Hashem and what an incredible uh, feeling of unity everyone's getting from everyone participating in their own way in these efforts. It's pretty remarkable. I- I'm going to leave it to you to end this conversation on a positive note because because unfortunately I've got to say something that. Um, uh, that uh, is a result of all this. You know, I, I don't know if you saw it, but well, I'm sure you saw it. I didn't see it until Cholomoy Tsukis, because I didn't get to it till Cholomoy Tsukis. I'm referring to Prime Minister Netanyahu's speech at the UN. And that speech made me very uncomfortable. And I didn't know why I was so uncomfortable about it. He was speaking about AI and Israeli technology and Israeli's role in the future of this futuristic world. And to hop aboard the uh, the the the, um, the the Mid East, you know, future peace train of relationship. You know, we're the kings of the Middle East, and we're the ones that you know. We don't hop on the train now to to establish relations with us. You know, time will pass you by, and you're going to miss an opportunity. And I was very very concerned with that speech. It just it it rubbed me the wrong way. And I I, I so and I didn't know why. And I was sort of was saying to myself like, Does he remember the neighborhood? That he's in. Does he remember what the neighbors of of Israel, you know, are most concerned with? And I sent this after the um, what happened last Shabbos. I sent this comment to an an analyst in Israel, and he writes back to me: "Our infighting and our arrogance, their barbarism, and their Iranian support." Malcolm, no matter what it is, it could be twenty twenty three. We could be the most advanced country. We could have the most investments in high tech. We could be a leader in every single area, uh, scientifically, technologically, and in every facet of this world. The bottom line is we are surrounded everywhere on this globe by people who want to see us exterminated and eliminated. And I think it's one of the most important lessons from this episode. I think you've said it. I think you've said it all. And by the way, that to holding people to account at the Brooklyn College demonstration, the front two rows were guys in black hats, black coats, beards, carrying signs about Israeli atrocities. Everybody should have their picture. No shul should allow them in, not to collect money, not to, to, to even let them dob in there. That they, they, they are the allies of our enemies, and we've had them throughout our history, and we know what has to be done to isolate them and cut them off from, from the community. Uh, but on a positive note, I think that the Achdut, the, the, uh, I get calls literally from early morning to late at night about what we can do to help. People should be judicious where they give money. You know, there are a lot of pop-up charities that are coming up. Uh, you have to be careful about when it comes to military things, um, legal reasons. But it is imperative that people open their pocketbooks, give them to the is it the, can, the organizations you know are doing remarkable things. The need will be only growing as the conflict goes into the next phase, which could be in the next 24 hours or less. The the um, uh, certain, least, but the the, uh, the you know the ultimate invasion is coming. That will be a whole new stage in this. Call talk shows. Use the internet. Get your voice out. Call the politicians who make positive statements. And that includes some of the leadership and, and people like um, uh, Richie Torres and Gottheimer and, uh, uh, and and our own congressmen. Some of them have really, and the fact that we have uh, 
the next speaker perhaps in, in our community who has been very supportive and and uh, out front on this. There, there has to be people who who speak up and, and make their voices heard, make call talk shows. You see how the other side is using it. They're on the internet. Every time a positive thing on Israel, you get a slew of hostile comments coming afterwards. We have to, everybody has a responsibility. Yeah. You can't do anything. If you can do everybody can help yeah it's a me. good it's a good opportunity to, to teach our children and grandchildren who are proficient at email and social media to become advocates for israel that become advocates and to, to educate themselves to be able to know the facts the things that yeah. we talked about you know people keep talking about the occupation i mean it's unbelievable that reporters and others you know go in there and talking about how israel isolated first of all they have a border with egypt second of all it is they who isolate themselves. Israel gave them every opportunity, the greenhouses, everything else they destroyed. They didn't take any opportunity to build the idyllic Palestinian society. There was a naive uh, assumption, perhaps, but it was an opportunity for them, and they didn't do it. And we have to remind the people about what is the reality. All the negotiations, remember what uh, Olmert offered them, what Barack offered them, 98%, 95%, they rejected it because they don't want to see a Jewish state. That's the ultimate goal. Yeah. They don't want to see a Jewish people. Yeah, they don't want to see a Jew. Uh, Malcolm, uh, I'm Yisrael Chai, Netzach Yisrael Lo Yishaker. Let's remember who the actual leader is. And that's, of course, the one above. We pray for the safety, especially for those who have been abducted, our Jewish um, brothers and sisters. And, of course, we offer tremendous comfort to the families who are going through such agony on such a level and so many throughout Israel uh, at this uh, at this time. And kolakavod Sahal, especially as you indicated, those who are coming now from around the world to serve, to protect the state and the people of Israel. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll speak Bezrat Hashem next week. Next week, I hope to be in Eretz Israel again by the time, but I'll do a broadcast live from there and give you another update. Thank you for that, and have a wonderful Shabbos and a good Chodesh. Malcolm Honline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, this time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, Spiritual Leader Emeritus, Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Parashas. We start literally creating. And interestingly, the very last Rashi in the Torah speaks of the greatness of Moshe for his breaking the Luchos, an act of destruction the Torah begins with the act of construction, Parashas Baro Elokim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, created. According to the Chinuch, there's one mitzvah found in the parsha, and that is the mitzvah of Pruvu, of procreation. Interestingly, he points out that only men are obligated in this mitzvah. Now, Rumor has it, it takes two to tango, meaning that clearly woman plays a very significant role in procreation, in pruervu. Why is it that only men are obligated? And the Meshachachma says something especially profound, namely, the ways of the Torah 
are so pleasant and there is no mitzvah that comes with pain and therefore rather than legislate to women that they must have children whereby they are saying that they must endure pain HaKadosh Baruch Hu charged it on the gentleman on the man and the woman Baruch Hashem number one has a great desire number two gets quote an assist in the idea that she is assisting in the mitzvah but a very profound idea of not imposing on them a mitzvah of pain talking about pain this was for all of us one of the most painful weeks that we can ever recall and it was less than a week ago that Jewish communities outside of Israel read the book of Koheles and in chapter 9 Pasuk 10 the wise king Solomon admonishes his listeners by saying call translated all that you're able to do with your might with your abilities do it I was privileged to hear from an Adam Godol who wishes to remain anonymous a most powerful understanding of this verse in the Gemara there are three stories that portray making the most of one's potential. Firstly, we find in the Gemaric Subos 66b that after the destruction of the second base of Migdash, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was leaving Yerushalayim. He saw a young woman gathering pieces of barley from the dung of the animals that belonged to Arabs. When she saw the great rabbi, she covered her hair and stood before him and asked for his sustenance. He asked her, who are you? And she responded, the daughter of Nakandimon ben Guriam. And he asked her, what happened to your father's extraordinary wealth? And she answered that unfortunately, because he did not give charity, he lost his fortune. And the Talmud then asked, what do you mean he didn't give charity? After all, we are taught that Nakdimon's daily practice when he left his home to go to the base medrash was to have silk carpets laid out before him. And as he walked, the poor would gather up these expensive carpets and would sustain themselves with this most clever and extraordinary donation of charity. So the Gemara answers, most certainly he was philanthropic however what he was able to do and should have done unfortunately he did not he failed to reach his potential the second incident is recorded in the Gemara Sanhedrin 68a where we are taught that when Rebbe Eliezer was sick Rebbe Akiva and his colleagues came to visit him Rebbe Eliezer asked them why have you come and they answered to learn Torah. Rabbi Eliezer said to them, I foresee, unfortunately, that you will leave this world 
with an uneasy, uncomfortable passing. Rabbi Kiva then asked, what will be my fate? And he answered that your passing will be much more torturous than theirs. And Rashi explains the harsh prediction of Rabbi Eliezer in the following way. You, Rabbi Akiva, because you have an incredible mind for study, had you come and studied with me, you would have learned even more Torah than you have accumulated. Once again, Rashi is waving the accusation to Rabbi Akiva that as much as he learned and as great as he was, Rabbi Akiva could have done more. And the third incident is found in the Gemara Bodhazara, 17b, where we are taught that after Rabbi Eliezer ben Parta and Rabbi Hananiah ben Tradio were arrested by the Romans, they had the following conversation. Rabbi Hananiah ben Tradion said to Rabbi Eliezer ben Parta, you are fortunate that you were only charged by the Romans for committing one offense, while I was charged for committing five. Rabchanina responded, How fortunate you are that despite the many charges, you will be saved. And what one to me for having been charged with but one offense, and I will not be free, but suffer grave consequences. You'll be freed because you have the merit of both studying and teaching Torah, and at the same time, the merit of Gemilus Hasodim, being there for the needs of others. While I am charged with teaching and disseminating Torah, but I did not have the merit of Gemilus Hasodim to save me. And the Talmud questions the statement of Rabbi Hananya by reminding us that he served as a Gabbai Tzedaka, a trustworthy individual who discharged charity for the needy. And the Gemara answers with the refrain used in the above two situations. Yes, he was involved with chesed. However, he did not fulfill his potential and maximize his actions in accordance with his ability. I'd like to suggest, why does the Talmud provide us with the insight and shortcomings of these three great individuals? Rav Shimshon Rafal Hirsch teaches that in many places the Torah teaches in the extreme. Note, the Torah does not legislate that if a Jew dies, that individual is to be buried. Rather, in Devarim, chapter 22, plus 23, the Torah teaches that if a Jew was unfortunately stoned by the Sanhedrin, that body was to be hung and the individual buried on that day. From here we learn that if the criminal is to be buried, most certainly each and every Jew is to be afforded this service. And when the Torah teaches in Shmos, chapter 23, plus 4 and 5, that if one encounters the ox of their enemy or his donkey wandering, he shall surely return it to him. And furthermore, if he sees the animal of one that he hates crouching under its burden, and one's instinctive reaction would be to refrain from helping him, the Torah ordains 
that he must assist the one that he hates. Why, one might ask, does the Torah teach in the extreme? Let it simply say, if one encounters the animal of his neighbor, he should return and assist the neighbor. The Torah once again teaches in the extreme that if this behavior is required towards an enemy, all the more so is one to be responsible to assist his fellow Jew. I believe that Ravina and Ravashi included these three narratives in the Gemara to teach us the lesson that if these three great individuals were taken to task from on high, while each excelled in their respective vocations, and they were taken to task for not performing their full potential, similarly, each individual Jew will be held accountable for not fulfilling their potential. And this is what Shlomo Melech meant when he began the above-cited verse, all, kol, meaning not some or most of one's potential, but all of one's potential is to be actualized. Understandably, we are nowhere close to the above, namely these three great tzaddikim. But the lesson for all of us is, if we can all do more. A similar elaboration of this thesis is found in Chobos Halavavos, whereby Rabbeinu Bachia teaches that one is to examine their growth and effort exerted in their religious and spiritual observance. He gives the following parable. A master gave his servant sufficient seeds to plant a sizable field. The servant utilized part of the seeds for the field, while the rest of the seeds he took for his own personal field. When the master saw that his field was only partially sold, he confronted his servant and told him he'd be held accountable for failing to do what he could and should have done and instead used and in essence stole the seeds for his own personal use. Too often, says Rabbi Nobiachia, we could use our energies in greater spiritual accomplishment, serving both Hashem and our fellow man with greater results. Unfortunately, we squander these talents in and for our own personal use. And finally, the Gemara in Brachos 32b teaches that four areas of man's endeavors require strengthening. These are Torah, study, the practice of good deeds, praying, and pursuing a livelihood. And Rashi explains the term chizuk, strengthening to mean to strengthen oneself constantly with all their capabilities, or to constantly strive <clears throat> to improve ourselves in these areas. And each one knows within the confines of their heart that there's always room for improvement. Unfortunately, I believe, in view of what happened, the tragedy of this past week, to discuss that there is a Jewish response to tragedy. The Torah in Bamidbar, chapter 10, Pesach 9, teaches that when you go to war in your land against an enemy who oppresses you, you shall call out in prayer, 
sound the trumpets, and you shall be called, recalled excuse me, before Hashem, your God, and you shall be saved from your enemies. Interestingly, there's a difference of opinion between the Rambam and Ramban, whether there's a biblical mitzvah to pray daily. The Rambam is of the opinion that there is a biblical mitzvah to pray daily, daily while the Ramban believes, based upon this pasuk, that it is in times of crisis that there's a biblical mitzvah to pray and connect personally with Hashem. The Rambam at the beginning of Hilchus Tainis in Halacha, Aleph through Gimel, codifies the positive mitzvah to cry out at a time of crisis. Moreover, he teaches that this cry is one of the paths of tshuva, that one should feel that our actions and interactions have caused the tragedy. As Sefer Yonah proclaims in chapter 1, Pasuk Yud Beis, says Yonah that I know that it is because of me that this terrible storm is upon you. Each and every individual is to feel that they have unfortunately contributed to this horrific occurrence. On the other hand, if one simply believes that anti-Semitism is pure happenstance and not a direct hit from above due to our actions, in the Rambam's words, such belief causes men to remain attached to their evil rays. Rather, and I personally feel inadequate to give Musr to others, each individual has to carefully consider how they can improve in the areas of Torah, Avoda, and Gemilas Chasadim. We don't realize sufficiently that when one is privileged to study Torah, whether in a group setting or with a Chavrus or even alone, they are imbibing godliness. The Zohar teaches that he, his Torah, and Israel are one. And therefore, an increase in one's Torah study is going to bring more godliness into this world. Our studying with greater effort will hopefully cause Hashem to temper the harsh degree upon our people and our land. The Gemara in Makos 10a teaches that the success of our soldiers on the battlefield was contingent on the Torah learning in Yerushalayim. What emerges from the above is that each individual's additional Torah learning will make a big difference. Avoda, prayer is the second pillar upon which our nation stands. One dare not have the feeling that since they cannot do anything else, they might as well say Tehillim. Nothing can be further than the truth. Prayer, recitation of Tehillim, helps significantly. This is derived from the Torah. The Jewish people were told in Bamidbar, chapter 31, Pasuk 2 through 6, to send a thousand soldiers from each tribe to go to war against Midian. The Talmud teaches that each tribe conscripted 3,000 soldiers, 1,000 to engage in battle, 2,000 to assist the soldiers, and the third thousand to pray. The Jew fights with prayer. Praying as well as learning Torah affects and changes the spiritual environment about us, and this change can affect the change in the heavenly decree. And finally, 
The third pillar is that of Gemilus Chasodim. It is so sad that over the past several months, we saw too many public demonstrations reflecting a lack of unity, lack of respect for fellow Jews with different ideologies. One day of horror from the Amalek animals has completely changed the environment. Just a few examples. A rabbi in Eretz Yisrael saw an announcement asking for people to host families from the south. He called 45 minutes later and was told, you're way too late. We already found everyone a place. He asked how many families needed to be housed. The voice at the other end responded, about 6,000. They found homes for 6,000 families in 45 minutes. Wow! Secondly, many restaurants in Tel Aviv wanted to help the war effort by sending food to the soldiers. They were rejected because their facilities were not kosher. They immediately called the rabbinate and koshered their restaurants. One more example out of literally thousands. There was the second night of the war, 10 o'clock at night. A father saw his 17-year-old daughter dressed up and about to leave the home. He asked where she was going. She answered that, oh my goodness, there's a wedding with very few women and girls to dance with the kala. I'm going to dance. Umik Amcha Yisrael. We too have to implement the third pillar. I unfortunately know personally of families where one member of the family doesn't speak to another. Families where parents and siblings don't communicate. And even if you believe you are right, but you know the other side is hurting, repair the damage. Be big. Take the initiative. Reach out to that individual that you have not spoken to in years. Learn from our dear soldiers who are willing to make the ultimate sacrifice and extend the painful effort to repair the breakdown of Avas Yisrael. Avas Yisrael is not only to respect and love your peers and those with whom you associate. When someone cried to a wise rove that their relative had a tattoo, his response was, that's an issue between them and God. Your job, however, is to love them as they are a Jew. None of us, my friends, come near to Naktimon ben Guri and Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Hananya ben Trajon, but all of us can learn to implement the teachings of Shlomo Mela. Call all that's within your power to do, do. Finally, in our Musaf of Rosh Hashanah, we acknowledge that Hashem inspects Ma'asei Ish Ufkudoso, the actions of man and the fulfillment of his earthly mission. Everyone is given a personalized tafkid, a purpose and mission to fulfill in this world. Our trying and doing just a little bit more. More Torah study, more taking of our tfilos seriously by taking upon themselves not to talk during davening or to undertake to know the meaning of tefillah and to truly demonstrate Abbas Yisrael by feeling and repairing the pain of another Jew will help facilitate in no small way a better outcome in this horrific war. Tzlach, in his introduction to his parish on Pesachim, teaches that the name Adam 
not only speaks about his humble origins from the ground, Mino Adama, but his lofty aspiration, Adameh Le'elion, to be like the Most High, as in the 611th mitzvah of the Halachta Bidrachav. May all of us truly come to tighten our belts. May all of us come to realize that there is no such thing as a small contribution, but all of the small measures add up to one very big Yeshua. Shabbat Shalom to all. J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, on this 13th day of October, day number 28 in the month of Tishrei. The brand new year is 5784. My name is Nachum Siegel. Final minutes of J.M. in the A.M. for today and for this week. We're back Monday morning. Matis, of course, Sunday has J.M. Sunday. Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Saturday night at 9 p.m. here on the Nahum Siegel Network. And all day today, our Arab Shabbos music mix in the final hour. Brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. And at 10 o'clock this morning, an hour from now, it's Mark Zamek. And the Arab Shabbos show, again, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. We cannot highly recommend it enough. Rosh Chodesh begins tomorrow night. Again, Rosh Chodesh. Oh, and I apologize. Uh, f- coming up right after uh, JM in the AM. Coming up right after JM and the AM, it's a brand new table for two with Naomi Nachman. She'll be featuring a Joseph Gitler, founder and chairman of Leket Israel. The Israeli foodie, Yehuda Jacobs. Susie Fishman of Meet My Needs. And cookbook author and recipe developer and food stylist, Adina Sussman. All of those special guests are part of Naomi Nachman's table for two coming up at 9 a.m. Eastern time this morning right after JM and the AM. Then the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek, sponsored by our friends at Kedem, and um, the rest of the schedule as I described it. Uh, it has been uh, quite a week, to say the least, and kolakavod to those who have um, participated in rallies and demonstrations, tefillah gatherings and tehillim groups in order to uh, do our part our brothers and sisters in Israel, we pray for the future of the state of Israel. We pray for the soldiers of the state of Israel. May they have the strength and safety uh, that they deserve. Accompany them uh, as they go about their mission. We pray for our brothers and sisters who are being held by the enemy. And we uh, beg the one above for comfort for the families that are going through this tremendous agony. There are people in Israel who don't don't know where their children are right now. And that's a reference to actual young children and to soldiers who are missing, whose fate is unknown at this point. Nobody knows if they're alive or not. Nobody knows if they've been abducted or not. And as I described earlier, we're very familiar with it, with at the minimum, one of those situations and what the family is going through. I can only imagine the agony in addition to the pain and frustration. Uh, So we pray, and we hope everybody over Shabbat, in addition to praying for the state of Israel and its future, in addition to praying for our chayalim, our brave soldiers, let us make sure to uh, keep a special place in our mind, in our heart, and in our prayers for those who are being held by the enemy, 
whose uh, return we hope is going to happen speedily, immediately. Uh, in terms of um, all the different gatherings, chesed efforts, we mentioned the one at the Young Israel Forest Hills earlier, all the different things that are going on in order to help out and in order to play a role in um, what our brethren are going through now in Israel, continue to post those photos and videos on social media. We have to um, utilize those positive images and incredible displays of unity, of achdus, of care and concern. We must continue to display that for the morale of the Jewish people, for the morale of our brothers and sisters in Israel, and frankly, for the world to see. While the enemy goes ahead and uh, produces and um, distributes photos and videos of the most gruesome acts, the most brutal and, um, and vile acts of extermination and death, we're going to go ahead and continue to uh, circulate photos and videos of the most touching moments and the um, most unifying moments that we can. Today is a day that the enemy has called for, a day of rage, a call of jihad. Let's make sure between today and tomorrow, especially on Shabbos, that we are securing our buildings, our public places, as much as we possibly can. Let's be in touch with and thank our law enforcement officials and our public safety officials. And um, let's have the safest Shabbos possible. Simple as that. Time to say good Shabbos. Journeys at JM in the AM.
Shabbos Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. It's funny, this is this is this will be the subject of when someone interviews me about stuff, but I was actually considering the other uh, day, I was thinking about and how it was implemented during the Intifada decades ago, and whether it's really necessary to still do it. I was just thinking about it the other day, and now there's no better time to proclaim Have a peaceful Shabbos, peaceful Rosh Chodesh. Pray for our brothers and sisters in Israel. Pray for the Israel Defense Forces and pray that our brothers and sisters being held by the enemy are released safely as soon as possible. Naomi Nachman with a brand new episode of Table for Two is next, and Mark Zamek and the Arab Shabbos Show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Have a peaceful Shabbos and wonderful weekend. Until Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.